When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome to a rather raw episode of A Fistful of Collars. It's episode 10. Can you believe it? 10th episode. Man, it's been a lot of these. It's low by. We have done a lot of these, yeah. right? But I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun. Sorry for any technical problems, and thank you for bearing with us today. Just things are a little bit wild. That's how it goes in the world of jiu-jitsu sometimes, right? You've got to adapt. You've got to be ready to pivot. It's a savage lifestyle. <laughs> it is a savage lifestyle. Speaking of savage, I know that's one of the things you enjoy most, savageness. Man, the next couple of weeks are absolutely savage. Poof, I was looking at my travel itinerary yesterday, and uh, man, it is going to be rough non-stop. Things are starting so to roll. Things so many events, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much like every weekend we have events from, from here till June, it feels like. So. Major events, too. Yeah, huge just, events. You know, yeah. Things. We're talking little pros coming up in like less than 14 days. So. Yeah. All over the world. Let's exactly. just recap quickly. I know... Uh, <laughs> the guy with the big grin over here going to Guam in case you forgot. Yep, Mariana's pro, pro in Guam. I'm going to be in uh, in Abu Dhabi for the World Pro with uh, Will, who today is actually like a big Will-shaped hole right here next to me. Uh, he is uh, he's in New York because this weekend you're going to New York for Kasai Pro. Yep, I'm just about to head out for for Kasai Pro Two in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Man, super. Super excited about this event. This is going to be a crazy event. Obviously, we've we've been talking about it all week. All week, we talked about it for a couple weeks. I think everybody's uh, pretty well versed on, on what we got coming up here. Everybody knows about Gio versus Nikki and and Hanato Canuto versus Eddie Cummings, and then the 85 pound, uh, 185 pound uh, middleweight tournament. Just uh, you know, it's going to be sick. So I'm yeah. I'm really really looking forward to that. I'm going to be on the ground, so keep an eye out. Uh, we'll be watching from at home. We'll be uh, we'll be streaming that April fourteenth to seven p.m. local time. I think East yeah. Coast. Um, yeah, so this will be six p.m. Uh, CST here. Perfect. Well, we'll be watching that from the comfort of my brand new sofa. I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> to experiencing that on the big screen because it is it's a great show. And I think one of the things that makes the show so interesting is the fact that uh, they've got lots of different rule sets on the same show. So mm, the round robin, sure. the uh, the the eight man um, like middleweight tournament uh explain the rules for that well the the, the middleweight tournament is a um it's ibjjf rules technically um but it's six minute fights and under under ibjjf rules but they really um sense but like big difference no advantages no advantages and they really seem to um he looks. Yeah, he looks. Yeah. You're missing the he big one. We're, we're <laughs> queuing it up for you. You forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so dude, there's no gi. They're letting them go with heel hooks. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, points, no gi. Right? yeah, yeah, no gi. I'm sorry. Yeah, IBJJF points. 
uh, rules with with heel hooks with all submissions being legal. That's what I was getting to. The, the, yeah, yeah. Submission submissions galore. That that any, any submission that you want, including heel hooks. Yes, that, that's right. Yep. All right. Also, <laughs> we cannot forget it's a, it's a round robin affair, which is super cool. We'll find yeah. out the groups here. I hope very soon. And uh, that just allows for so many great matches, right? You have a lot of matches. It does. Yeah. yeah. All the guys are gonna fight each other. They they ended up. They end up, you know, moving on to the next round based on a point system. Whether you get a submission, three points, or you just went on points, two points, then those guys, whoever win the group, they move on to the semifinals, and, and those guys fight. So it's gonna be a lot of, of fights. That's the great part about Kasai Pro One. We saw all those guys fight everybody. They're doing it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. And what's really interesting is on the same card, you've also got super fights, right? So you got. Drew and Nikki, uh, you got AJ versus Marcus Galvao, and of course the title fight, which is Eddie Cummings versus Amanda Panudo, and all of those matches are kind of under different rules. Kind of, you got like submission only. Uh, I think it's like 15 minutes for man. I need to double check. Summer 15 minutes. Forgetting, right? Summer 20. I think Nikki and Gio is scheduled for 20. With like no overtime, no time. golden score. I think is it Eddie and Hernando's possibly got like a sudden death round? Yeah, or? sudden sudden death. Um, Points, just points round in, yeah. in, in um, the, the um, Marcus Galvao versus AJ Agazarm and Hanato Kanuto versus Eddie Cummings. Those are both the same same um, overtime rules, the same match rules. They're both uh, twenty minute matches with with the same overtime points coming into play. And then the only one that's different is um, Nikki, Gio. Nikki versus Gio. Just twenty minutes sub only with the judges if there is uh, if there's no outcome in the regulation period. So yeah, it might be. It might actually be fifteen minutes. It's uh, twenty. I think it might be fifteen. It's definitely twenty. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> on, we'll, we'll see on day of what it is. But I think hey, it's you never 15. know. It might change because that's kind of half the from, game. From, right? what I, from what I understand, it's it's yeah, it's something that's been changing. So. I say definitely, and now you make me doubt it. I actually <laughs> got an email right here from somebody from Kazai saying it's twenty. Okay. So. Okay. But now you got me doubting it because it that's half the game, right? It's it's kind of like negotiating the rules to best suit you, and I think this is one of the great things about jujitsu is that uh, there's a lot of flexibility in the grappling world to compete under different rule sets, right? Like you know all these events we're talking about right there, World Pro, they use the standard points, you know, four points for the back, four points for the mount, three for a guard pass, two for a sweep, two for a takedown, etc., etc., with advantages. However, maximum six-minute matches, black belts, and so on. Mm -hmm. And then you got like fight to win, huh? Submission only, right? Judges, and that's it. We don't care about points, you know. And then Mariana's Open, different again. Ten-minute matches with points, and then Kazai. It opens for a lot of flexibility, right? Yeah, we're, we're definitely in the sport of jujitsu. It feels like, in, definitely in this in this rules renaissance, where like uh, you have a lot of people on this side of the aisle who think this is the best rule set, and a lot of people over here who think this is the best rule set, and then there's people way over there who are like, you guys are crazy. You know, this is the best rule set. So everybody it seems like to be on a on a different team of rule sets right now. So there's something for everybody. Yeah, that's, that's true. The great it's thing, true. Right? There is something for everybody. It, it does feel a little bit weird when you come from like a traditional sports background and you, and you like a sport like football or basketball. It seems that most of the time there's just one rule set for, yeah. the, for those sports, you know. And it's, yeah. And then you, you come see to grab like football played on like a 60-yard field and then like a 100-yard field, exactly. 50-yard field. It's like, well, we prefer it this way. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's fun how it kind of changes the game though and forces you to, to, to play a different style. Like at EBI, for example, like there's no stand up fighting, you mm. just sit right to the ground. But maybe it makes more sense where there's points involved to actually work for a takedown to stay on top. 
in ADCC where this you can't pull guard for five minutes. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So well, speaking of crazy stuff, uh, I remember I interviewed Eddie Cummings back in 2015, and of course this is just as Eddie, just after he got his black belt, and he was out there and he was you know winning all these submission only uh, matches with heel hooks and stuff. And um, but just as Dan and her death squad were really coming on the scene in a big way, right? And uh, and he was cutting weight and he was kind of a little bit grumpy. And he just came out big time with like this rant about rules. And he was like, man, he like went off on IBJJF rules, saying that, man, if you train for IBJJF rules, it's like the sport dictating the future of the art, right? And this is kind of what is happening now, right? You've got guys who are just training for certain rule sets, right? How often do you go with the guy in the gym and, he, and the guy's like, well, I'm sub only, right? Yeah, I, I, mean, I think like, what, what I've learned a lot from, from this is that like you can't, because I feel like people were gaming the rules or people were finding ways around the rules or, or something like that and, and people got tired of that so they switched the rules or, and maybe that's sort of one way that the rules changes got motivated. But it just feels like it's impossible not for people to try to game the rules or try to gain an edge in, in some way on the rules, you know, like whether it's a, a 20 minute um, submission only fight, there's still a way to, to game those rules, right? And, and, sure. it, and if you're at EBI, you know, where you have overtime or ten, the 10 minute submission only, with, but with the overtime rounds, there's certainly a way to, to game those rules as well, you know? So like, I'm not sure if we're accomplishing everything that like rule changes are trying to accomplish. Well, even Danaher himself said there is no perfect rule set, you know? He, he kind of personally feels that like the, the purest form uh, is, is just no time limit, submission only, uh, but it's unwatchable, right? It is. And 90-minute match, that. yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's it brutal to try and sit down and watch something like that. Nobody's got time for it, even though a lot of the competitors are like, not too stoked about that kind of prospect, right? Yeah, but just like the, just like the idea of it, is great, right? The is idea, it? The, the idea of, of like you versus you, you guys walk onto the mat and we don't until leave. And we don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> we don't leave until somebody taps out. That's yeah. a, that, that feels like jujitsu to me. <laughs> ah, it feels like a nap to me. I mean, I mean, you just know it's going to be so slow and arduous. Like unless there's some crazy mistake in the beginning, no one's gonna want to tire out. And so they're gonna, you know, if there's no submission in the first five minutes, there's gonna be no submission for the next 45 minutes. You're gonna but, go into an hour. Everybody's got their bugbears about rules, right? Every, you know, people will gravitate to one rule set over another, and we've really seen that kind of schism happen within the community now. And that, you know, there's like a real hard sentiment against points tournaments. And then, you know, a lot of people like die hard sub only, while the other guys are like, you sub only guys suck, you're dumb. It's all real jujitsu, you're just sitting <laughs> on your ass all day. So, uh, what about you guys? Are there, do you have any strong feelings on rules? Like, are there any rules that you like or dislike or? Even within rule sets, it's like a rule. <laughs> I was just gonna say sub only till I die. That's where I, I really. That's, that's where I live. I would so. not have <laughs> guessed that. Um, I, think, I think sub only is garbage. No, actually, I I, I don't want to sound like I'm pandering, but I really do like watching all of them. I, I think they do bring out fun parts of the game. Um, I do think submission only does provide more boring matches than point systems. I think Josh Hanger's made a, a few great uh, points in some articles about how, you know, po points incentivize action. They incentivize mm. movement and also uh, recovery. You know, if you get... He even made a case for advantages on that. On exactly. The whole, same whole idea, right? Sub only, you know, you get past and you're inside control, you're just going to shell up and wait until it's super safe instead of, mm -hmm. oh, I've got four minutes left and I'm down on points. So 
I'm a fan of points. I, I think it, it makes sense. But um, I mean, you, you can do so many variations on points. Like, it's, it's really limitless. But as, as long as people are incentivized to score and, and to move, that's something that I'm in favor of. Yeah, exactly. I, I like that too. I, I'm really a big fan of like, you know, keeping the match going. And the problem with submission only is exactly like you said, sometimes it can get locked up in a certain position and uh, guys don't move. But unfortunately, that will also happen in, in matches with rules. Now, a great example was 2016, absolute final at the World Championships. I remember Bouchesha and Herbert Santos were sat there in that 50-50 mm. guard position for like eight minutes and almost nothing got, happened. Almost got DQ'd. But I mean, it was like the most anticlimactic, you know, unsatisfying, because the absolute final is meant to be the big one. It's the last match of the day, the World Championships, it's the pinnacle, right? It's the biggest title in the IPJJF world, in the Gi world, and like the match was just garbage. And that's no fault to either of the competitors. They held, they got locked in a position, and there was no safe way for either guy to open up the game without giving something up. And of course, nobody's gonna, you know, allow the other guy a chance to score. But as spectators, everybody was just like, oh, ah, yeah. no, worst thing ever. However, however what? It did have that great explosion at the end. And if it was a no time limit submission only, they would have sat there until the day was over. That is true. It, it Four hours later, yeah, yeah, yeah they'd yeah. be in the same position. But personally, my, my feeling is that I'm, I'm a huge uh, advocate of harsh penalties on stalling. And like in any position. And I really feel that we should have restart positions in jiu-jitsu as well. Mm. Now, wrestling has it, right? They have the referee position, or they also call it the part here, where you know the guy will get down on force because you know if the guy's under penalty or he's not seen as being active. Okay, I guess that, that's folk style wrestling has that. Correct, yeah. But I mean, they actually have a position where, okay, nothing's happening, down, and the guy is put in an attacking position, go. And I feel that jiu-jitsu lacks that. Because even when it happens, like, you know, guys will go out, out of bounds with a submission, they get two, and they'll get restart standing. It's like all the work the guy did to get there and he gets rewarded with nothing. And sometimes those matches as well. I watched Yuri Samoy's Victor Silverio mm. last week for the San Jose Open, right? And it was literally nine minutes of standing on their feet, grip fighting, walking back and forth. Now, Victor Silverio's not gonna give Yuri any chances. Vice versa, Yuri's not gonna give Victor any chances. Nobody really wants to pull guard in a match like that. But there comes a point where it's like, that's not jujitsu. Yeah, I, I especially like, I don't, I don't mind people pulling guard because it's like, that's what we're here to do. We're here to mm -hmm. fight on the ground. So it's like, if somebody pulls guard, like I, I never get bent out of shape seeing people pull guard. Get it down any means necessary? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just was gonna say that I like what ADCC does. You know, I, I think that's an interesting um, way to do things because they kind of tried to combine the, the two rule sets, right? They tr tried, to, tried to combine um, sub only and points. And so I think that's- They incentivize takedowns, right? They still do, yeah, they, you're mm -hmm. right. They, and, and there's something that they have, I feel like even st still, I think ADCC needs a little work, but I feel like they are a little bit more um, aggressive with with the penalties, like yeah. you're saying, or the stalling calls, because I totally agree that, that that's just something that like we need, it's, we don't have a culture of stalling or a culture of, of penalties, it feels like, mm -hmm. within the sport, but within the sport like like wrestling, where they really have a culture of, 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 of that of stalling, because like you watch, I was just watching the uh, World Cup over the, over the last weekend where the United States won, and it's the same thing, it's like 20 seconds into the match, if the guy, it, takes a step back, boom, he's on, he's on a shot clock. He has 30 seconds to score or he gets a point against him, yeah. you know? So it's like he has 30 seconds 
to score points now, you know, from so that's a really great way I feel like to um I'd love a shot clock send a, for takedowns actually. That's, that's yeah. a, we do it for a double guard pool, so why don't we do it for yeah. if you've been standing there pushing each other for three minutes? I mean somebody's gotta go on a someone's gotta go to the ground. Yeah. However it gets there, guard pool, takedown, someone's going to the ground or you both get another penalty. I can only think of two instances in the last couple of years where like a high profile black belt has been DQ'd for what has been perceived as stalling or or you know accumulation of penalties. And there was that double DQ at Pans. Remember when Tammy Musmechi and uh, Beatrice Mosquita got double DQ'd, and um, that was that was kind of wild, right? Because they kept going down to the double guard pole, and the referee was like, "No, no, no, no! Boom, you're out of here, both of you." And then the other one was uh, last year's World Pro. Mm. When, remember Lucas Hulk got DQ'd? Yes. Because they brought in this whole new penalty system at World Pro, where it's no longer 10, 20 seconds in activity before you get penalized; it's ten. And I don't think Lucas really knew that well because it, you know, it was still kind of a new rule and it was just sort of like being developed. And also what they're doing now as well is they don't stop it and tell the guy that he's being penalized. What happens is in World Pro, they'll say, okay, they'll, they'll signal like penalty and a 10 second clock will come up on the scoreboard and it'll start counting down. And if the guy does something in that 10 seconds, then he'll like, the clock will stop, the 10 second clock will stop and the penalty will get taken away. But if he doesn't, penalty stays. But he doesn't interrupt the match. He doesn't stop the match, or he doesn't he doesn't stop the match to issue the penalty and then let them carry on. So Lucas is like fighting and fighting, up, yeah. and fighting, and he don't realize he's racking up penalties at the same time. You know, so gotcha. kind of crazy, huh? But rule sets, so many of them, right? <laughs> and you know, we're talking about the rule sets as well. They're dictating like how people train now, mm. right? And uh, one of the big things I think that one of the biggest things for me in the last couple of years, this is like a huge paradigm shift in jiu-jitsu, is with the rise of the sub-only movement in jiu-jitsu, man, all of a sudden, everybody's training leg locks, right? Yeah, Yeah, can't avoid them. I mean, secret's out if you don't... (laughs) (laughs) You're not training leg locks, right? You're getting screwed, yeah, 100%. (laughs) And something that you've been dabbling with? Yeah, a a little bit. I think we all got fired up after ADCC, just... um, it's why would you ignore 50% of the human body as someone <laughs> once said. Yeah. I don't know who that might have been. But um, it really is um, interesting to play at those entanglements. And I feel it lends itself to drilling and repping out um, sets of just training more so than chokes, for example. Like it's, it's pretty boring to work a bone arrow choke over and over again. It, it doesn't feel... Boring for who? You or your partner? Probably, probably horrible for them if I'm doing it right. But when you're changing those entanglements and, and switching legs around and, and switching for different kinds of submissions, you know, going from straight ankle to heel hook, and then there's so much variation there that you can really start to just scientifically kind of upgrade your game. And I think that's pretty cool, actually. I don't know if you guys have been playing with that at all, but um, it's been working for me. I've dabbled with leg locks, you know, in my time, and I even kind of got I got it. Every gym has a leg lock guy, right? And I wasn't that guy because I would do everything. But uh, there was a time then I kind of spent attacking a lot of leg locks. And people were like, oh, man, watch out. He's got really good leg locks. And I was like, I know. I'm just the only person who does them. Like, mm. So you think that. But, you know, it well, is that's, really... That's that. probably a big reason why they get so popular, right? Is because, like, you do have one guy in the gym who's, like, able to just catch everybody in the gym with leg locks because nobody else had, or at least in the beginning, nobody else had trained leg locks. Exactly. So I, I, that seems like why this meteoric, meteoric rise was so so quick. It was because it was like a, in, I don't know, maybe not an easier way to tap somebody, but like 
if you don't train them and you don't know them, then you're never not going to know the defense. So it kind of will be easier, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And this is what you found, right? You, you've been training a little bit and you actually found your defense. 100%. Ball. You know, I'm super, super new. You know, I'm, I'm by far one of the most mediocre leg lockers in the gym. Um, but yeah, as soon as you start using them offensively, you start to see the setups further out from your opponents as well. And uh, yeah, it's pretty satisfying to not actually be terrified either, you know, to know mm-hmm. when you're actually in danger of being submitted versus, you know, they're still working for it and you can you can escape. Um, and also the options you have because they're right there. A lot of times it is, why not technically 50-50 position, your 50-50 chance of maybe setting up something better for yourself. Yeah, I just, that whole concept though of 50-50 and that, that that's kind of like comes with the leg fighting game right is that I really feel that you know you you live by the leg lock you die by the leg lock mm. right yeah, I remember Gary Tonin was saying something about that he puts on Facebook that like every training session I tap 25 times like wrap your head around around that and like it's I Probably exaggerating, maybe a little bit, but oh, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sounds like Gary. <laughs> but but uh, you know he's playing the leg lock game with a, a room full of good leg lockers, so you know it reminds me a lot of the lapel take. guard, yeah. right? Like uh, if you're not if you're playing worm guard against someone who's never tried to defend it, you pretty ha- you have a pretty easy time doing it, and mm-hmm. so it's just it's really a way of sort of um, separating your game from from the norm. Like if, if they don't know it, they're screwed, and so it's it's worth. Looking into it, as let's say. You know one thing about the drilling thing as well. You mentioned there about how you found that the leg locks a little bit more entertaining to drill. Man, I gotta say, you know one of the things that I enjoyed the most drilling over the last couple of years was I went through a big guard passing uh, phase of drilling. Um, it was inspired originally when I was watching the Meow Brothers uh, drill back there in Sao Paulo when I, I went to the gym and I, I did a video with them. And man way those guys drilled guard passes was just as technical as other people would drill like really complicated sweeps and stuff you know everything was so precise all the grips were perfect and the, you know they were like really analyzing the pressure points and stuff and this is back when they were like you know kind of the early back belts and never saw them on top and now you do see them on top a lot you see them passing and their passing's legit man they come up and they like really grind over people and a lot of that influence came from Rilo Santana, right? And he's like renowned as one of the nastiest, gnarliest pressure passers in the business. And I started studying the BJJ Scout Murillo mm. videos, right? And I was like, oh man, these are like so good. And I was getting into it and I was using the positions. But there's just one thing, one downside that I found to drilling that. Man, it hurts. It hurt my head. Because so much of Murillo's game is that head down, like on the chest or under the guy's chin and like just driving forward all the time. Man, you know some people get cauliflower ear? I literally got cauliflower head. <laughs> From like my That's eyebrows. Where, like, all the hair went? Yeah, exactly. I just ripped oh, it up. From my eyebrows up to like the here, my head was just constantly sore and inflamed and it was it was rough. Man. I mean, we've drilled before and it is miserable. Like like to be under that and have him just over and over again driving his head into your face is yeah, like, all right, like, this. All right, all right, I get it. I get it. You're, you're you have heavy pressure, like let's move on. But it it, it it makes sense to drill. It, it, it is not easy to do. So I like drilling um, barambolos for some reason. Like I like am not really great at surprised. it. And yeah. like I have like a weird, I have like a long, lanky kind of body, so like it doesn't really lend well to me. But like I just find it like super fun for some reason drilling like the inversion stuff. 
That's interesting. I like John Matson. Plus, hit, hitting never, a Barambolo would have really fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Barambolo guy. I uh, try, I, good story real quick. I tried to hit a Barambolo on, on Travis Stevens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who? did that he, go? He was, yeah, he came up like, on his knee in like a combat base, you know? And I was like, I'm going to go for a Barambolo. And, and then he like called me out and he was like, are you about to try Baron Bolo me? I was like, I was like, telegraphing that that much. What if I said yes? And he was like, go ahead, go ahead, you know. And I tried, and it didn't work. It didn't work. Well, speaking of cauliflower head, and you can hopefully see on my mug right here. It's my brand new Jujutsu mug, cauliflower ear, right there. There we go, man. I've been training jujitsu a very long time. Look how beautiful my ears are. I've never had pristine. a cauliflower ear. Pristine, yes. might, one might say. Never had a cauliflower ear. Whereas Chase, you uh, pointed this out to me earlier. Look at that bad boy. Yeah, I don't know if you can see it way back there, but... A little bit red. Doing, doing a little bit of wrestling lately, and they're coming in nicely. Both, both my ears are... <laughs> balancing them out, you know? right? Uh, can't be the most beautiful person in the room all Have the time. Have you ever had to drain it? Uh, I drained them both, both ears... And my first year as a white belt twice. And, really? and then they never really came back until recently. I've been doing more pressure passing myself and putting your head down and grinding into people. <laughs> did you, see, did you yeah. see Mike Columbus's? Yeah, it's um, huge. Mike Columbus is a yeah. giant walnut on his ear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This was huge. And man. he's been draining it a lot. He's Ooh, been using brutal. like those those magnets as well to try and keep it compressed. Uh, that's 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 one of those ones. Never had it like that. Never no. gonna go away. How about yours? He's, he's got, got a pretty good one. A tiny little bit. But yeah, yeah wrestling I'd always wear headgear, so I never got mm. It, I remember at Road so to Worlds. Got, sorry, you never got cauliflower until jujitsu. Until jujitsu, and that's yeah. after years of wrestling, right? Yeah. So, but not that many people wear headgear in jujitsu, right? It's horrible. <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> it sucks. I wore it once because I had like a, a cut on my head, and I was just like, I couldn't hear anything anybody was saying, and it was just like <laughs> dumb, and my head was getting stuck all the time. Yeah, 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 rough. It doesn't work well. But about the cauliflower, I remember Shanji Hibero had a good quote because he doesn't have cauliflower ears either, right? No, and he said, man. Don't get cauliflower ears when you're on top in mount. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get cauliflower ear when you're submitting everybody. Yeah, so I tried to use that line uh, in Rio. The, the cab driver <coughs> was asking me, uh, a few of us were in a, a cab going out after an event, and he's like, are you a jiu-jitsu fighter? And it's like, oh yeah, you know, I win. He's like, I don't. Your ears look fine. I tried, to, I tried the Sanji line, but I had lost my first match. I was like, uh, I, I, it didn't, didn't really work. And he saw, he saw right through it. Like, nah. But they are. A, like, you're, not they, you're not. You're not. You're not, you're not mounting anybody, bro. <laughs> They're not just a badge of honor, though, right? And so for some guys, it's like, ah, oh, they love the cod for our ears. But it's kind of that thing that you kind of see somebody, and you know, maybe the guy looks kind of strong, and he's got like a thick neck, and you kind of just like you do the, you do that, right? Everybody does that, and you're like. Nah, he doesn't have cauliflower ears. <laughs> Pro- probably a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It's absolutely that thing. I mean, do you check guys' ears out? I mean, not sexually. Not in that way. <laughs> no, I'm sure you don't. Uh, I hope you don't. <laughs> obviously, you, you see someone out in the wild with some, some serious ears on them, and you go, hmm, I wonder that guy probably wrestled or does jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back home, back in the UK, it's like, because nobody wrestles, uh, if you've got cauliflower ears, it's, it's, uh, until jiu-jitsu came along, it was like one or two reasons. It was either judo, and those judo guys have some gnarly cauliflower mm, ears because yeah. they get so much time like held in the scarf hole, right? And the other thing is rugby. A lot of rugby players get cauliflower ears. They get gnarly ones as well. So uh, to be honest, it's kind of like that natural warning sign, isn't it? Like you see a gigantic mm. guy with cauliflower ears, it's like, don't fuck with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, anytime I see a guy with, with cauliflower ears, I'm like, ah. Oh. 
My dude. Yeah. <laughs> this guy <laughs> knows. Man. This guy knows. What's up? You know, even even Gianni Grippo, he put up a Facebook post a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he said that he's been training for 15 years, over 15 years, and he's only now just got the first signs of cauliflower Crazy. in his life. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that luck, or is it genetics, or...? Yeah, I don't know what that would be. I don't really know. It's got to be genetics, partially. I yeah, mean, I so. yeah, I've seen literally. I've seen I'm, guys. I'm sure he's, he's doing what need what needs to be done to get cauliflower ear, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, I mean, you said you drained yours when you were a white belt. Mm. I, I literally would see guys come into the gym like three weeks so white getting. belt, and they just whoom, you got an ear the size of a basketball on the side of the head. Same thing know? with like um, skin infections. You were saying, right? Mm -hmm. Like some some guys just like just get it. And some Susceptible, guys never yeah. never have staph or ringworm or anything like that. Well, fingers crossed these ears will stay as they are. i got to say, though, I did find an old photo of myself the other day, and my ears were, like, practically glued to the side of my head. Really? And I, I was, like, like comparing them, and I was like, damn, they got bigger. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. So mine aren't getting, like, cauliflower. They're just sticking out more. So. Oh, sorry. well. We don't do jujitsu to stay pretty, right? Um. <laughs> anyway, I think that's probably a good time to wrap things up today. Man, it's, uh, it's going to be a busy couple of weeks, and there's going to be some changes. It's going right? to be a busy couple of months. It is, and we might not be able to keep the same schedule that we have been because there's true. so much travel. So next week, we uh, I think it's time to announce it quite yet because we're still in the process of confirming it. But hopefully we should have a uh, special guest next week because both of you guys are going to be on the road. It's true. Yeah, so it'll be myself and uh, a nice little surprise. So, <laughs> a guest. Sweet. A guest. We like guests. It was great having Craig in here the other week, oh, right? Yeah. That was oh, a lot yeah. of fun. Awesome. Travis Stevens was me very memorable. That guy's awesome. So. Yeah, yeah, go back and check that out. Well, yeah. guys, remember that you can check every episode of Fistful of Collars on YouTube, on flowgrappling.com, on iTunes, and out in the wild, follow us at Flow Grappling. See you next time. Oof. <laughs> 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 <laughs>